Welcome back again, folks, to the another episode of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa, and this is another show for May of 2018. Let us bring in one Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? Reasonably well, Len. Did I mention that a bobcat the size of a Rottweiler came through our yard the other day? Uh, you did not mention that. Are you making friends in the neighborhood, did you? I'm well, trying to keep my fingers and toes, but yeah, I was just sort of looked out in the yard, and it was like, that is a, a very... Bobcat. A bobcat, an actual carnivorous creature that evidently is after the rabbits that just recently moved in. So front window has become the circle of life, folks. <laughs> I'll let you know what happens with Scar, okay? And I, I don't think this is going to end well. So <laughs> We're going to have to start having this episode, uh, these episodes sponsored by Mutual of Omaha. There we go. Wait a minute. No, isn't Jim the one who goes outside and wrestles the snake? Exactly. No. <laughs> I was going to say that. I thought that was too subtle of a joke. Isn't Jim the one that always gets, uh, that has to go out and like wrestle the alligator? Okay. I'm going to be over here. All right, Jim, you had mentioned a couple of new things mm -hmm. that have happened in the parks recently. One of them is this new set of tickets that Disney's selling in Walt Disney World, where it's a one-day pass, but it comes with pre-selected FastPass options? Yeah, this just literally just bubbled up. Of course, the, the theme park enthusiast community hates this idea because, again, you know, the whole notion of FastPass is you picking, you personalizing. Yeah, so the, so this is a ticket, and it comes with three pre-selected FastPasses. None of those FastPasses, as you can imagine, are things like Flight of Passage or Space Mountain. No, there's a, I want to say Small World, and like the Carousel. and But at the same time, you got to give Disney credit, because there's just a group of people who, when facing down the barrel of a Disney World vacation, is like, fine, whatever. I don't want to think about it. And the notion of, you buy your ticket, your one-day, one-park ticket, and it has fast passes. And that's that thing those people talk about that's supposed to be so wonderful. And hey, hey, it comes with it. It's the theme park equivalent of the Lazy Man Lobster. Where the, the lobster's already split for you. And, there you uh, go. The, I mean, the fork is already stuck in the meat. They've already yeah. put butter on it for you. So yeah. I get it. I really do. Because not everybody is ambitious enough to do actually do what you do, Len, which is skin the cat as elegantly as you do with the Lines app and all that. But it really doesn't speak well of the theme park going public that Disney did the research and, oh yeah, there's definitely a market for this. People who want to do nothing in advance. It's just, let me buy my ticket, here are my fast passes, and I go to the park. There is a certain segment of the market that just shows up and expects to have a good time. Mm -hmm. And let's remember a couple of other things. If you show up at a Disney theme park for a one-day ticket mm -hmm. and you did not buy that ticket in advance, you're paying $20 more than if you had bought it literally in, on your cell phone, in your car, mm -hmm. in the parking lot, because Disney does that. Why do you think Disney is doing this? So on the one hand, it could be that if the Disney knows that people who are showing up at the parks without tickets in hand, probably aren't going to be familiar with FastPass because they've already broken a couple of the sort of the cardinal rules of mm -hmm. planning that most people would uh, would have taken advantage of. Do you think this is Disney recognizing that these people may need some assistance and by prepackaging the FastPasses for them, 
it makes their life a little bit easier. I mean, they could have just sold the ticket and not mentioned FastPass at all, right? I just look at this and this is martinizing. Get your dirty, your dry cleaning. And oh, no, of course you want this. It's like, well, okay. It's the undercoating. It's the automobile undercoating. Yes, of the, uh, that's it exactly. I mean, it, it's uh, the upcharge that, well, all right, that's a, oh, three. I get three FastPasses. Well, that seems reasonable. Yeah, that's one explanation of it. I, I think that's, I think that's fairly reasonable. The categories that Disney gives for them too mm-hmm. allow the families to pick and choose the things that, sound good to them. So you're right. One of them was, and I forget it, it was like, you know, storybook mm-hmm. fun. And it was Small World, Enchanted Tales with Belle, I think something else. But there was another one that was like Buzz Lightyear, mm-hmm. Tomorrowland Speedway, sort of a more adventurous one. None of the premier attractions, no tier one attractions, mm-hmm. I think, in any of the parks. So no mountains, no flight of passage, nothing like that. I think Navi River Journey might have been in one, but I, I don't remember. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. The most benign explanation is that Disney's going out of their way to help people who look like Mm -hmm. they need the help. I can accept that. Okay. I have a dark side, Mm -hmm. Jim. The dark side of me is looking at this as uh, Disney testing different price points for FastPass, right? Like perhaps that you buy a ticket and it's a one-day ticket and it comes up with these sort of not in high demand FastPasses and that is your, that's your base ticket price. But for, let's say, an additional $20, we'll throw in a mountain. And for $40, we'll throw in all the mountains or something like that, right? You can see how the idea of tying fast pass selections to a ticket purchase leads to, what's the word I want to use? A slope that is greased? Yeah. A greased slope? Yeah. A hill with... A low friction hill. What's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> Slippery slope. Yes. There we that's go. It. That's it. There we low go. friction hill. So 95% of me thinks that it's Disney trying to do right by guests who are showing up. 5% of me thinks it's... Uh, have you ever seen that meme, Jim, where it's Kermit in a robe talking to one Kermit, and it's like good Kermit and bad, bad Kermit, and they're talking to each other? Uh, 95% of me is, is the good Kermit. 5% of me thinks it's the bad Kermit saying charge them more they don't know any better yeah i'm suddenly after listening to what you're saying i would bump that from five to 15. <laughs> i think you're on to something here again probably completely benign i understand it because we know we know yeah. that seasonal pricing for multi-day tickets mm-hmm. is coming yeah. sometime in the fall late summer early fall right we already know it's coming mm-hmm. What is it for Disney to test just this little bit of extra fast pass stuff? Because you know one day tickets are like six or seven percent of the overall market. It's not a huge number. No. But no. it's a six or seven percent of a big number is still a big number in terms of Disney being able to test people's responses to those things. And and more to the point, if you look at if the categories, if you look, for example, at the storybook fun or the, the Tomorrowland thing, I mean, if you're traveling with small children. I have my hands full with the stroller and the diaper bag and the, oh, I can get a couple of pre-picked things for Fantasyland? Absolutely. It is very clever mining of a very specific segment of the market. And But like I said, just, yeah, I would bump that from 5 to 15, Len. All right, fair enough. All right, one other thing that happened over the weekend I think you want to talk about, and that is uh, alcohol now. Available at the Crystal Palace. And speaking of, of mining a very specific segment, look, you know, ever since Be Our Guest opened in 2011, 2012, mm-hmm. this has proven to be a ridiculously lucrative segment. And to watch it gradually walk out into the park, I'm kind of intrigued at 
the Crystal Palace being chosen for this location, mostly because when you think about people go in there and, you know, it's a, a buffet set up, a, a character dining, in a weird sort of way, it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy in that people who come in to do character dining at Crystal Palace mm -hmm. put an artificial ceiling themselves on their time there because they're in the Magic Kingdom. And, right. and after they get pictures with all the characters and after they feel like they've gotten their fill, they're back out into the park because they want to get in as many attractions as possible at the kingdom, the, the right. most popular park at the resort. This, on the other hand, tying this in with what you and I both know happened at Be Our Guest when they introduced alcohol, how... People began to loiter over meals? That's the thing I can't figure out. Yep. We know that since the introduction of alcohol mm -hmm. in the dining plan, mm -hmm. that it's taking people longer to get through their meals, which means there's less table turnover mm -hmm. in each of the restaurants. And we, we've heard from servers who are like, you know, my tips have gone down by 15% because I'm handling, you know, one or two fewer tables per cycle or whatever. Mm -hmm. To be able to add that alcohol into the Crystal Palace mm -hmm. must mean that the margins are so good on the alcohol that it makes up for the slightly longer amount it takes to service the guests with the alcohol, right? So the Disney's must have looked at this and said, well, you know what, at 16 to $21 a drink with mom and dad having a drink each, we can afford to three or four more minutes or five more minutes, whatever, 15 minutes per table. They've kind of looked at that and said, you know, for these prices, we can, we can handle the uh, the extra time that it takes for them to slug in that drink. But I have to say, from friends who who work this restaurant and both as servers and as as characters, and this is the thing, Crystal Palace was never made for character dining. It's kind of a nightmarish landscape. The only restaurant that was worse for character dining. Was the Liberty Tavern? <laughs> Liberty Tavern, yeah. <laughs> that is just an OSHA violation. I mean, we just waited every day. I mean, I'm surprised the Department of Labor didn't have an office in the back. Yeah. Like, uh, all right. The poor server who's carrying the expensive drink through the restaurant as people are scrambling around to get pictures with the characters. And it's just sort of like, it just sounds like a recipe for disaster. But at the same time, as you just put it, the fact that this is that lucrative. It's like, okay, this is going to be an issue for our servers. It's going to be issues for our people doing the characters. I think the only saving grace here is given how expensive alcohol is at Walt Disney World. Yeah. I don't think anybody's going to be drunkenly pawing Kanga. Because you, you, who can afford to get drunk? You're saying, I'll have a gin and tonic. <laughs> <laughs> Now we know why he was depressed. Okay, I get it. All right, Jim, let's take a quick break. And then you've got some uh, news about the Disney slash Universal uh, war heating up, right? Oh, God. All right, we'll talk about that as soon as we get back from our break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, and we're back from our <laughs> break. I, I love that you are impression. I think that's going to be my new, uh, that's, my new that, that was great. Though. That <laughs> was great. Wow. 
All right, Jim. So you were in Orlando. Uh, you were in Orlando. I guess we just missed each other by a day or so. Yeah. Um, but you were in Orlando for the opening of Fast and Furious over at Universal Studios, right? Yes. We, the Nancy and I, ninjaed in and out. We were down on Tuesday, did the event on Wednesday, and we're back on Thursday to see the Bobcat eating bunnies in our backyard. So, how was Universal? How they how they treat you? How was it? I have to say that Fast and Furious, an amazing queue, especially if you are a fan of the Fast and Furious film, of which there are eight, Len, and depending on who you talk to at Universal, this franchise has either made $3.9 billion for the company or $5 billion for the company, which isn't Harry Potter money, but it's, it's pretty damn good. Mm -hmm. But what was fascinating, at least for me, is Wednesday, they were in our hotel at Cabana Bay. Mm -hmm. So what comes on the television? On the day that Universal is opening, Disney does this full-court press for Toy Story Land. Really? What a coincidence. Yeah. And it wasn't just Good Morning America, which had a two minute and 30 second long. Oh, right. They showed previews of the onboard ride video from Sleeky Dog. That they Dash. did. But then we jump ahead to the one o'clock hour and here's the chew. And they're previewing the food that's being going to be served at Andy's lunchbox. By the way, uh -oh. Len, what is the difference? They're calling this a counter window restaurant. Versus a quick service restaurant, is that, do you make that sort of differentiation with a guide or? Uh, oh, we don't. So I'm, I'm guessing that there's no indoor seating. Ah, okay. They previewed the brisket barbecue sandwich as well mm -hmm. as the chocolate hazelnut tart, which I want to say Clinton was particularly excited about. This is Disney's Flavor Lab's take on the Pop-Tart, only he's like, anything sprinkled with bacon, I will eat. And so, you know, the, <laughs> so, but then you jump ahead another 11 hours or so, and here's Nightline, which also... <laughs> Doing the hard-hitting hard investigative journalism of Toy Story Land. <laughs> on Good Morning America, as well as Nightline, they did make a point of saying, well, look, Disney is the parent company of ABC News, and put that out there. But the fact that here... At this exact moment where the entire world is converging at Universal to take a look at Fast and Furious, the fact that Disney just coincidentally on the day of the grand uh -huh. opening. But the, the funnier thing was the next morning when, you know, so turn on the Today Show because, they're, you know, of course, they're doing the exact same thing. It's not like anybody is, is completely innocent here. Here's the Today Show down at Universal interviewing Vin Diesel about the opening of this new attraction. And they go to commercial and Disney's actually bought ad time for their Toy Story <gasps> Land campaign straight out of you know Universal. And oh, by the way, June 30th, Toy Story Land is opening up just up the street. So play big. <sighs> this is the part where Don Corleone says there are no coincidences. Oh. You know, <laughs> lightning should happen to strike my son. I hold I, people I, in this room responsible. <laughs> look, having talked with the folks at Universal, just wait to see what they announce on June 30th, when Toy Story Land opens up. They've kept the Harry Potter coaster under wraps, haven't they? Interesting you say that, because they just started walking out the language about that at this event, that mm -hmm. they mentioned in summer of 2019, the replacement for Terminator 2 3D will be opening mm -hmm. at Universal Studios Florida. But mm -hmm. then our new highly themed indoor coaster and again, again, geez, where have I heard that term before? Indoor coaster? In Wait, the Potter thing's going to be indoors? This is what they're saying, Len. I did not know that. So I don't know if the entire thing will be indoors, but this is featuring lots of show scenes. So kind of intriguing huh. that this is what 
they get out there ahead of Guardians oh, of the Galaxy. Oh, ahead of Guardians. Yep. Uh, <laughs> by the way, Jim, speaking of Disney, mm. is Comcast also now interested in doing an all-cash bid for Fox? Yeah, that just broke today. What's up with that? Speaking of rivalries. Len, what's also happening today is the quarterly earnings conference where the entire investment community gets to talk to Iger and everybody else. So the fact that Comcast timed its all-cash bid for the day. <laughs> Mr. Iger, would you care to comment about this? It's like, no, I would not. It's just going to be interesting to see what comes out of today's earnings call, though. Getting back to the Toy Story Land thing. You've seen the commercial that they did. In fact, it's a series of commercials. The first was dropped back in March during the Academy Awards. The whole play big thing where it's... Yeah, with the bouncing ball and... Yeah, I mean, it's a very, yeah. very clever ad... I think they, they've done a wonderful job with the campaign, but to counter that with the campaign that Disney just launched nationally, have you heard about this, the Imagine the Magic campaign, where it's it's basically... Is it literally called Imagine the Magic? It's called Imagine the Magic, Len. They're just trolling me at this point, aren't they, Jim? <laughs> literally, there's someone in Disney marketing saying, let's piss Testa off. And this... <laughs> well, it used to be, what, there were at least eight names on the wheel they spun, right? Now, what is yeah, it? There were, there were seven words, yeah. There we go. It's, you know. it's like they, they've got the same seven sheets of paper in a hat, yeah. and they're just pulling them all out in, in random order, and that's their marketing campaign. Oh, God. I can't wait for the Magic the Imagine campaign for 2019. Believe so. the Imagined Magic. <laughs> all right. Family, comma, fam. Yeah. All right. All right so the, this is a, a campaign that is basically promoting, they've got this promotion going on with the deluxe Disney and the, the deluxe Disney villas that uh, if you book a certain package, you get 20% off, that sort of thing. But what's mm -hmm. bizarre about this ad, two things, just leaped out at me all right remember you've got solo opening in theaters uh, may 25th yeah memorial day weekend right it's the han solo prequel movie right right which again if you have you seen that have you seen that yet? oh when nancy and i are seeing it next monday oh okay all right. all right and again this is a movie that co-stars chewbacca and so you would think given how supposedly carefully coordinated the Walt Disney Company is. And, and again, remember, we just talked about, you know, Toy Story being promoted by Good Morning America, again, Chew, and Nightline all in one day. Mm -hmm. All right, so now we go to this ad, which, again, is coming out in the same window as Solo, and they cut to the moment where this wonderful family is meeting with Chewbacca at the studios. I swear to God, Len, it looked like the Chewbacca outfit had been made out entirely out of old bath mats. <laughs> like he needed a shampoo and a blowout? Yeah, but then, and I, I hate to be this guy, but the commercial ends, you know, in fact, again, because they're stressing the villas and the deluxe resorts, they keep yeah. showing shots of this family at Animal Kingdom Lodge. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Galaxy's Edge is at Hollywood Studios. Now they're doing Animal Kingdom Lodge. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, well, again, they also show the monorail flying through the sky, so let's let's not get too bogged down here in reality. <laughs> All right, okay, go ahead. They show the Animal Kingdom Lodge, and then the camera tilts up and shows the fireworks display over Animal Kingdom Lodge. <sighs> and it's no. And that's the thing. It's just sort of like, all right, no. so... No, Jim. Has has anyone who produced this commercial actually been to Disney World? I gotta ask. Mm, I don't. I gotta know. ask. I don't. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. All I can think of is this is a return to what happened in 1992 where, do you remember that there was this infamous Disney World commercial where it was like this family walks into a hotel room and mother, father, little boy, and the 
Disney bellhop throws open the balcony doors, and there is Cinderella's castle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, not just in the distance, like it's it's 100 feet away. Like you could borrow sugar from them, from Cinderella, like that close, yeah. And yeah. this was the thing, that for the people who handled the reservation end of things for the oh, entire yeah. three years that this ad ran, it was a nightmare, because it's like, I want to stay in the resort that gives me that view of the castle. I want that room, yeah. You know that every morning when the Disney Call Center opened at 7 a.m., you know yeah. that that was the first phone call that every single agent got. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'll bet you they handed out scripts to, to explain to people that, well, it was commercial. Yeah. You know. I mean, I get it. You're selling the Disney theme park experience. Yeah. But it just you're making life difficult for the people at the front desk. You're making life difficult for the people at the reservations. And All right. So there's a little bit of a creative license there going on with Disney marketing. It's amazing that they're imaginative on where on property they are. Mm-hmm. Would they show each of these scenes? And yet the same seven words show up in the uh, the marketing campaigns. I don't get that. It's like Somebody's doing the visuals, somebody's doing the the text or the copy, and uh, never the twain shall meet. I have to tell you, from doubling back to Universal, the fact that it makes them crazy that Disney owns imagination, that Disney owns belief, that Disney owns magic. In fact, Universal has a campaign of its own right now called Be Bolder that basically is selling the whole scenario of, like, look, if you're a kid who's eight, nine, ten, princesses and that sort of thing are childish stuff. I mean, you want to go to Harry Potter and put on a robe and perform magic or or interact with a raptor at Islands of Adventure. Or I'm just fascinated by the focus that we don't have magic. We don't have believe. We don't have imagine. But we can, you know, we can offer you bolder and maybe that's what you want. And Universal's been testing that marketing angle out for a number of years mm-hmm. because it's, remember a couple of years ago, they started with these kids grow up, so do your vacations. Mm-hmm. I think that was the theme. Yeah. And the idea being that Disney was great for kids up to about age eight, but then beyond that, they would graduate up into a, the thrill rides of the Universal theme parks and the more you know sophisticated adventures of, of Harry Potter and stuff like that. And if that catches on, mm-hmm. that could be dangerous to Disney who, you know, we've talked about this, but Disney's appeal for a lot of this stuff is, is their target market is, is eight-year-old girls. Mm-hmm. If they don't want to get pigeonholed, and I don't think they will. Right, and I'm not saying that that's all of the appeal, but there was a while there where around the uh, the launch of New Fantasyland, where you had to wonder if they were thinking beyond a very specific demographic, and I think Universal picked up on that and they've been running with it. So they're just now meeting with managers as well as advertising agencies and the like for the 50th anniversary campaign, which for Disney, yeah, for for Walt Disney World. Talking with the folks at Universal is that. They view this almost like it's the Marshall Plan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're rebuilding Orlando. Yeah. 2021, we will seed them that turf. It's their 50th anniversary. On sheer nostalgia appeal, we can't compete. But 2022, we will be back bigger and better than ever. Just wait to see what they announce on June 30th as as everybody's focusing on Toy Story Land because Payback is a female dog. Do you think it'll just be the Harry Potter ride or do you think it'll be something bigger than that? They, um... Uh, you don't have to say anything. It's fine. We can uh, we can end the, end the show here. There we go. Let let let's just <laughs> wait to see All what right, happens. Next time, okay. Next time. Cool. <laughs> All right, folks. You've been listening to the Disney Dish podcast with Jim Hill. Please go into iTunes and Stitcher and Raider Show, 
and tell us what you would like to hear next. Don't forget, we are produced fabulously by Aaron Adams. Jim, this is Len. We will see you on the next show.